Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is Paul Arnold welcoming you back after a great weekend of football. It's such good football. And then the realization hits me, football is almost over. No, no. So Ernest Watson, Rockingham, North Carolina, save me. Tell me there's something after football. Yes, the XFL. <laughs> no, that's not helping me too much, man. David Arnold in Tecumseh, Michigan. What's going to save me after football's over? Oh, before have i ever talked about soccer to you dad oh yeah uh, we've got soccer all the way through until june and then baseball can carry you home until football season begins. Uh, i don't soccer know soccer would it goes beyond that soccer goes to walk it's year round it MLS is, it goes from, from april to november so the season the regular normal season ends in april but then the european championships are this year so that that's always a big one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now you've really made me feel. So now the I XFL love soccer. Pretty good, doesn't it? XFL sounds good now, Ernest, right? You didn't mention a hockey man, an NBA. What's the deal? I thought I didn't get to mention hockey until March. <laughs> Luca, Luca. All right. Well, let's. Yeah. This... Did, did you see Luca pull his uh, tears yes. jersey in half? Yes. Because he missed like five out of six free throws. He's okay. got MJ. We got the MJ rest Reynolds. of the year to talk basketball. We got plenty right. of football to talk about, and folks, we're going to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Pardon the Confusion is all about us giving our takes, having some fun, and maybe rambling once in a while, talking about entertainment or cultural icons like Bill Murray. But let's get to the game that uh, really blew my mind a little bit. Yesterday, the Titans towered over the Ravens who said, we shall never more have a game like this, John Harbaugh said. So it's pretty obvious that Harbaugh was outcoached by Vrabel. Yes, I said that. So, guys, why do you think, or what's the best indication he was outcoached? A, because... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, well, I'm getting to it. Whoa. Because okay, Lamar Jackson was limited to sideline passes. Their defense for the Titans didn't give up any passes over the middle where Jackson liked to throw it. Or is it because the Ravens' defense was exposed? They were just looking really weak so Ernest, you're the old or, man whoa, whoa, Which... or c wait or c john harbaugh grew up in ann arbor michigan and mike vrabel is an ohio state graduate so you can do the the math there and say no. obviously mike vrabel is going to outcoach john harbaugh son son <laughs> that... go to the dark side so quickly on uh, man. Uh, a michigan guy a michigan fan and an ohio state graduate coach against each other Who's going to win that battle? I don't oh, know. There's some cynicism already into the program with three minutes in. Ernest, save me. Why do you I think? Was gonna, I was, a, I was going to go with D. I was going to go with Ingram being injured because that's a major part of their offense. I think also Tennessee is, is you know, we're going passing offenses, passing offense. They've learned if, if they get a lead, they can take time of possession and just hand to Henry and just run the clock. And when Baltimore got behind, they had to pass. It took away. Remember, the Ravens set the record for rushing yardage this year. So they primarily was a running team. I know that Jackson had gotten better in his passing. He'd become more accurate. But everybody brought up the playoff game against the Chargers the year before when they did the same thing. They got an early lead, and they forced him to pass. They took away the running component from Jackson. And so it's, it's uh, defensively, they made him pass all the time. He's not that accurate. But more importantly, being out, and passing and, and, to the sidelines, instead of those easy passes over the middle, he had to throw those out and, you know, out to the corner and runs. 
Well, I think they took away the threat of running with that quick lead at the beginning. Mm. It's something that, that and we'll talk later on, I think it's something that Houston tried to replicate also. It didn't work out that well. But I think if you get a lead and you run the ball and you, you, you make every possession that more important, that they have to score that pressure. And, I mean, this is not the end of the Ravens. They'll be back next year. I think they've got a young team. They just And they couldn't get pressure. Uh, you look at it, Tannehill threw three passes in the second half. Three <laughs> passes. Because they just ran the ball and ran the clock. And they couldn't stop Henry. Yeah, The Ravens' defense just could not for various reasons. David, did you see Henry being this dominant a year ago? Yeah, well, first off, he was my fantasy football um, uh, best friend this year. I drafted him in the first round and in one of my leagues, in my main league, and uh, he was awesome for me. And he was great at the end of last season. Can I tell you, this Tennessee Titans team reminds me of uh, – a, a very specific team in a very specific place in time. Back in 2010, um, there was a team that barely scraped into the playoffs uh, in uh, a seven and nine record, losing record, got into the playoffs, won their wild card game against the defending Super Bowl champs, uh, New Orleans Saints. The team was the Seattle Seahawks. And if you remember back in that wild card game, this is 10 years ago now, it was Marshawn Lynch's coming out party. And do you remember the Marshawn Lynch run where, where he broke a bunch of tackles? It was like he was he was throwing ragdolls off of him. <laughs> and, then, and then they zoomed in on him, popping skills in his mouth. And it was like, welcome to Seattle. Welcome the Seahawks to the NFL playoffs. This team, coached by Pete Carroll, they're creating something special. When I look at the Titans, in the same way... Well, they David, this- hold on a minute, David. Isn't that the same game that showed up on the Richter scale? They're like it was a mild earthquake. The applause, the, 12th man, the yes. yeah. So, so, so the lore, the lore was created with Seahawks, uh, very much in the same way. I feel like the Titans are clearly building something with Mike Vrabel. You know, first time NFL head coach in his second year with the program, just like Pete Carroll was with the Seahawks, uh, using Marshawn Lynch and Derrick Henry in very much the same ways to really create a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden out of nowhere. And that Seahawks team did not have Russell Wilson yet, right? They're a year away from drafting Russell Wilson, uh, but using Marshawn Lynch and starting with a really good defense, they they started to create something. And you could just feel the momentum from that game forward. In the same way, this Titans team, Mike Vrabel is a defensive guy, and he's using, and he's also a Bill Belichick student of using Derrick Henry and a really solid defense and a placeholder in Ryan Tannehill, who, who's not making mistakes, to turn the Titans into something that reminds me a lot of that Seahawks so team. So who's better, at the very beginning or Trent dynasty. Dilford? I mean, if oh, Tannehill. If Tannehill is infinitely better. You know, I think Tannehill is a good quarterback. I don't think he, he, he statistically was your number one quarterback this year. Yeah, so, so he might end up being the guy. Who knows? But like at this moment in time, you told me at the beginning of the season, he's obviously a placeholder, but he's played his way into something more. And maybe unlike the Seahawks, they've already found the quarterback. But the Titans very much feel like a team that is better than their record indicated this year, that they could definitely push forward with more momentum, having having found the defense and found their running back. All right. All right. Uh, Let's get to the next. Well, 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 wouldn't it be (laughs) ironic if he goes to the Super Bowl? Because you know where the Super Bowl is going to be at. This, the Super Miami, Miami. Or, yeah, or yeah. the same place where they cut him this year. 
they do they not feel like a team of destiny in a way? There, there's always that team. Like here, the Saints, here's what worries me. Right? Here's what worries me, David. Place kicking difficulties. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I mean they they have problems kicking, and you get a close game. That's the difference. I think they have a bigger I, problem. I, the bigger problem is the Chiefs are waiting for them, and we're yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking I of destiny. Well, so. Can, can, I think everybody saw the first part of the Chiefs game, which was crazy. Texans taking all the breaks, all getting ahead. But most teams, that would be like the end. But Chiefs score so fast. Ernest, can you think of any other offensive team over the years that scores faster than the Chiefs? Oh, the old Rams team with Dick Vermeil. That was a team that the same Kurt way. Warner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Kurt Warner and then and, and, uh, – Oh, the running back. Was that the greatest uh, show on turf? Holt, yeah, the greatest show on turf. Uh, Holt, a wide receiver. That was a team that, you know, again, could score at will in that respect. But here's the thing with Kansas City is we know their score. It's, it's the defense. That, that's consistent work. But what I liked about that game was how much special teams were so important. And the real turning point of that game is when Houston decide in their own territory to go for it on fourth down. What were they thinking? I, he had a lane, and in the uh, reserve quarterback for the Chiefs, one of the great uh, open field tackles this year you're going to see. And that turned that whole momentum around in that game. Can, can we just stop and take a minute to look at uh, Pat Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson? We're really looking at two guys who are the future of the NFL, and are, I mean they're the here and now. Between those two and Lamar Jackson, you have three of the youngest QBs in the league, starting wise, um, and it really seems like that's not going to stop for a long, long time. You you, you have a year this year. We don't have Ben Roethlisberger. We don't have Tom Brady. Peyton Manning's long gone, uh, and here we are with Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. It's it feels like this year is very much a changing of the guard. Um, and both guys played out of their mind. Deshaun Watson, you know, two touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdown passes and zero interceptions. This is going to be looked back on as maybe the start of an awesome rivalry in the same way Peyton Manning and Tom Brady had a thing in the playoffs because uh, these two guys are not going away. Also, this is the year Andy Reid is going to get his first Super Bowl Speaking of destiny, and Ed Orgeron is going to get his first national title. Talk about two coaches <laughs> that everyone is questioned. I think David was primed uh, ready for this podcast. Calm down, I, buddy. Not, Calm down. I, I was going to say, I'm not that sure because I saw a pretty good defense in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I, I always mean, go with a defense. But the thing that, you know, disturbed me about the Texans game is how in the first quarter they were running the ball, picking up seven, eight yards running with impunity, and then it seemed like when they got behind by three points at halftime, second half, they gave up on the running game. And that, that was strategically, I thought, you know, the, everybody's going to be talking about the fourth the fourth down call. But I think, again, they gave up on the rushing attack because Carlos Hyde, another Ohio State player, boy, we can get away from Ohio State, can we? I thought he was just chewing up yardage. And Kansas City, let's face it, they did give up 31 points. It's not like the defense really you know, consistently created problems. Except in the second half, you know, they they you know stopped, held them to one touchdown. But can't I, again, you know, all right. The Titans' this, defense, Ernest, can they 
you know, stop the Chiefs, but the and can the Chiefs um, stop the Henry? It's a ball control game. Whoever can control the ball next week, I think, will pretty much win. And the Chiefs can score so quickly, which is always so dangerous. They don't have to have a good defense. And so, Ernest, right now, if you had to pick Titans or Chiefs, what would you go for? I don't see anybody in Tennessee who can handle Travis Kelsey. So I got to go with the Chiefs. David? I It hurts me. I, I honestly don't know because the Titans really do kind of. And by the way, David loves of, the Titans ever since I grew, he was a I grew up. Lo- Remember I the Titans? Yes. Me and Justin might have both been huge Titans fans. Yes, uh, what, Justin still is. For whatever reason, the logo was at the right time and just like, boom, this is so cool. Anyways, the Chiefs have Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, and that's such an awesome story. And yet the Titans very much have this destiny feel to them. For whatever reason, they're just peaking at the right time. Vrabel is a Belichick you know, student of the game against Andy Reed. I don't like the odds for Andy Reed in that. I got, I, I can't lie. It, it seems it would, it would be very Andy Reed esque <laughs> to go into this game as the favorite with right, the best quarterback. Pick, in the NFL. Pick. Let's go Titans. Oh Titans. man. Whoa, right. Mr. Destiny, Mr. All I've heard for the last five minutes is Andy Reed, Super Bowl. Andy well, Reed. Okay. Ernest, I walked myself back. That's what my heart wants. Well, okay. <laughs> my my head is telling me that the Titans are peaking and and with against a team like the Chiefs, the thing you have to do is run the ball up the middle, run the clock, get a lead, run the clock, get a lead, run the clock, keep the lead, run the clock. And Derrick Henry is the one you guy gotta to get do the that. lead. You gotta right? get yeah, the lead. That's key. That's that's, key. that's the difference. So it's like it's that not so much. Go ahead, Paul. It's like that meme. Have you guys seen the meme on Facebook forever or Twitter where the guy's walking with his girlfriend or wife, but his head turns when another oh, yeah. girl walks by? David's walking with the Titans. That's where his heart is. But he looks at the Chiefs and goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Is that right, David? No, I think maybe the other, psychology. Oh. maybe the other way around. I, I, see, I, I want Andy Reid so badly to get it. Patrick Mahomes was my fantasy football quarterback. Derrick Henry was my fantasy football running back this year. I got, I got dual allegiances here. I, I, it's hard for me. It's fantasy hard for me to choose. reality, huh? <laughs> either, either way, either team. in the landslide. Either team's going to be a great story. You got Tannehill returning the triumphant. You, know, uh, you discarded me. I'm coming back to Miami. Or you got Andy Reid and Mahomes coming to the, you know, the most exciting offensive team since the the Rams. You got a team coming back to the Super Bowl. You got Andy Reid's second chance because he's lived down the Eagles and his his, his clock management problems he had against the uh, Patriots in Jacksonville. And let's face it, Andy Reid's had clock management issues. That's the biggest argument about it. And nothing else. If if the Chiefs get in it. For two weeks, we get to see that great video of Andy Reid in the punt, pass, and kick contest, standing <laughs> five feet higher than uh, all the other kids. Yeah. Ernest, Ernest, does that remind you of yourself as a kid? Because that's kind of what I picture you as. Yeah, yeah, I was always like a big kid. kid, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't and, know. Andy Reid played, played quarterback where? At, I don't know, Temple or something? BYU. 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 Is he Mormon? Yes. Okay, it makes sense as advice would be pastrami. All right, I get it now. <laughs> All right, I get so it. that's the one side. And football is so great this time of year when you see a lot of different dynamics playing out, and there's a, always a history. So earlier today, um, 49ers, or yesterday, excuse me, 49ers wiped out the Vikings. 
And all year long, Ernest, you've been saying Garoppolo is not for real. He's not that great. Is he that? Isn't he a little better than you think, Ernest? Better than Aaron Rodgers. Defense. It's that defense. I mean, that's the impressive is the front four of that defense. That the linebacking core. I mean, they've got one weakness at cornerback. But see, you've got to attack that the, the one corner because you're not going to go on Richard Sherman's side of the field. So they force you where to, you're going to run your offense. Uh, I just. Grappolo does just enough. I mean, he has problems throwing between the hash marks. Outside the hash marks, he's very accurate. Isn't that Tannehill, though, too? Isn't Grappolo like Tannehill? Yep, but Grappolo doesn't have the running ability. And Tannehill, remember now, he he only played quarterback two years in college. He started at Texas A&M as a wide receiver. So, I mean, to, to extent, he's still extent learning. And he's had, like, I think he's had a different quarterback coach every year he's been in the pros. <laughs> well, Tannehill's 32 years old, by the way. So he's had a quite a, a few more years of learning than Grappolo, I think. I think Grappolo's like 29 or 30. That that front four for the 49ers needs a nickname, like the Purple People Eaters or the Fearsome Foursome. I mean, it, it or Gold really Rush. Sure. I, I think I think we've got Gold Sherman's Rush was the old one with, with Charles Haley and that crowd. I think I think Sherman's army is a good. Is, it, is, there, is there a southern team left? Maybe Tennessee. <laughs> if, if they were playing the Falcons in the Super Bowl, maybe. But uh, isn't it wild? We'll have no teams on the East Coast left. Mm. Oh, R.I.P. Commercial money there. Yeah. All right, uh, David. What do you think? Do you think Forty uh, Niners have a chance to go all the way to the Super Bowl? Oh, without a doubt, they've got the right formula. They've got a, an amazing defense with an offensive-minded head coach, which is a pretty dangerous thing. Um, Ernest hit on all the points there. And I definitely feel like Garoppolo is good enough to to win with a great defense. He's definitely good enough there. He he makes enough good decisions. Uh, He's not reckless with the ball. And also, when you look at uh, uh, who's head coach, the offense coordinator for the Falcons and then the Browns, um, McCann, McCann, McCann. No, Sherman, Kyle Sherman, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. So, so, so Kyle Shanahan really is is such an amazing offensive genius. You saw it with the Browns when he when he led Josh Gordon to the NFL season breaking record. Um, if you played fantasy football, you saw it with the Falcons when he took Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and just made them all dynamic weapons. Uh, he he gets speed in space. Right, which is a, a huge thing in college football right now, and he's applied that principle to the pros in such a great way. He puts speed in space. The running backs for the San Francisco 49ers, as a collective unit, their depth chart has the fastest speed in the 40 times at the NFL Combine out of any team in the NFL. Ooh, nice quote. The, the yeah, four of them have the have the fastest speed. They're the fastest group. You get those guys in in speed and area. You know, swing routes out. Uh, Grapple can hit them, give them space, and they go. You know, their wide receiving core is is very young, but they're very okay. So explosive. you're in love with the Debo Samuel. Don't Debo Samuel, Debo amazing Samuel, great pick from South Carolina, number two pick. You know, the pick Bosa number one in the first round it was the second pick in the first round. But Debo Samuel is an he for South Carolina. He played quarterback, wide receiver, flanker, running back. He's he, big enough to play running back, and they put him in a wide receiver, and he just. He's, he's a beast. You're right. right totally so agree. Are you guys saying that the 49ers are going to blow away 
the Packers who are winning right now on TV. They better, Dad. Well, the Packers played two games on the West Coast this year against the Chargers and the Rams and lost both by over three touchdowns. Yo. So I don't, I don't know what it is. They just don't click well. Uh, I am, again, I am impressed by Bosa and Buck, Buckner and all the guys on the defensive line. That is that is a team that, again, David talked about the three running backs. All of them had over 600 yards. So if you put all their yardage together, they've been led the league in rushing. Nice. And they all are uniquely different. So, yeah, definitely. I think – I think 49ers, even though my Packers was a Super Bowl pick with the Ravens, I think the 49ers will win by two touchdowns. All right, so the next question is, who should get the coach of the year? Should it be Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers, Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, uh, Rabel with the Titans, or Lafleur with the Packers? Those are four guys who've had an incredible year for a lot of different reasons, and all their teams have done well, and Tomlin almost made the playoffs with, like, nothing. I think I know Ernest's picks. We'll start with David. I would actually say, for me, for me personally, it'd be a two-horse race between Kyle Shanahan and John Harbaugh. Uh, I think John Harbaugh is really the guy. I mean, the Ravens were good, but could you really figure out a way to utilize Lamar Jackson in the correct way? Well, is that really going to be John possible? Harbaugh earlier. Okay, in a game, <laughs> he got outcoached by Mike Vrabel one-on-one but for the regular season uh, which is what we're talking about i mean he he turned lamar jackson into everything michael vick was supposed to be in the nfl i i mean everything it was like how are you going to unlock john or lamar jackson and john harbaugh and uh was it deball the offense coordinator took seemed like the best of every offensive system for the past 100 years took the best and applied it to Lamar Jackson. You saw so many different styles, so many different plays. They just unlocked Lamar in a way that no one really thought was possible, or else he would have been the number one pick, you know, at least over Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> so you went you know, off like, the board, I mean, huh? You thinking John? Yeah, Harbaugh. I mean, the, so so John Harbaugh or or Kyle Shanahan, just because what he's done is really impressive. Now I both mean, those guys beyond, are sons of coaches. Do you think that, that gives helps. an advantage? Yeah, yeah. Ask Bill Belichick if that helps. <laughs> All right, David. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ernest. What do you think? Which is the coach oh, of the year? Uh, to me, coach of the year is the guy who did the most with the least amount of talent, and that's Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I thought you said that, that. That team shouldn't have won a game this year. I mean, seriously. And and you look at everything that's happened. The two headaches that left after last year. You lost in Razier, probably your best defensive linebacker an injury that could have, you know, wiped out the psyche of the entire team last year when the guy was paralyzed on the field. You're playing with a rookie quarterback from Samford University. <laughs> uh, your best wide receiver has injured the majority of the year. The, he made... He James Conner played like half the as well. T.J. Watt, he made him into a possible defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but he did the most with the least amount of talent. All I gotta, the only thing I gotta say is, they had an amazing season for for everything that happened. But they were in the same division as the Browns and the Bengals, and they still couldn't do better than they did. I I gotta hold them against them for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So 
just throwing that out there. But yeah, you're right, Ernest. Amazing. I mean, amazing coaching job. Oh, so sure. we have the Titans versus the Chiefs, the Seahawks versus the Packers. I mean, sorry, the uh, 49ers versus the Packers. So are we saying a Chiefs 49ers World uh, Super Bowl? World Bowl? World Bowl. I almost said World Bowl. What was that about? Oh, World Bowl. That was the World Football League. Yeah. Boy, you're going back. That was a in the World 80s. Bowl. I uh, yeah, 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 uh. yeah. I, I, yeah, I go Chiefs, 49ers, and I think that will be entertaining to the judge. You'll have the best defense of the league going against the best offense. Of the and league. Ernest, you, you know, predicted Patriots Packers, didn't you, at the beginning of the year? No, I picked Ravens Packers. Oh, uh, Ravens Packers. Yes, right. yes. So I, we were talking about this yesterday, Dad, but it seems like the NFL is the only league that can look at small town cities or smallish markets like Kansas city, you know, green Bay and Carolina, and it not affect ratings or where star players play. And it's like hey, the NBA, you're not going to have a star player play for the smaller teams, uh, at least not successfully. And, and kind of the same in the other sports. And public, in football, interest, public interest also, David, because Everyone bemoaned the Golden State-Toronto series last year because it's well, one of the teams is from Canada, so you're going to lose ratings. Baseball has always been, you know, if, if, if it's Kansas City and Frisco, we're going to lose in ratings because Kansas City is a small yeah. – small but medium markets matter in every sport but football. football. Yeah. And that's, that's, where, that's where I was going with that, Ernest, because you, you talk about – a Kansas City San Francisco Super Bowl uh, at first glance in any other sport would be like, oh, but you got Patrick Mahomes versus the 49ers. That sounds like a great matchup, and I'm really excited to see that. Garoppolo is probably going to bring in the East Coasters, honestly, for the viewership because, you know, all of New England is going to be like, Garoppolo's our boy. I can't wait till he goes to the Patriots after he, when he's a free agent because I guarantee you they'll think he'll do that, even though he won't, obviously. But, uh, that would be an awesome matchup. I, I am excited to see that. Of course, I am saying the Titans versus the <laughs> Titans versus the 49ers because it just feels like the Titans are a team of destiny. Another small market, Nashville. I mean, that's and again, Frisco, Kansas City in the Super Bowl, great ratings. In baseball, Fox complained because those were two relatively small markets, even though I think the Giants have historically a good base interest in it. But media markets, they matter in free agency. They matter in, in ratings, in every sport. That's why a team in, in London will not be the same problem as the NBA talking about European teams. You'll still get the ratings. You'll still get the viewership. At the, at the very least, Nashville South, second city. And so I, I do think there would be a big Southern contingent watching for them on Kansas City. But anyways, all right, next topic. Yeah, I think you're right. NFL is bigger than any one team. I mean, people buy into the product every year for the Super Bowl, regardless who's there. And David and I were talking the other day. I, I can't remember another year where there's so many potential quarterback moves going into next year. And part of it's driven because – Brady is trying to hang out and saying he may not sign, and he's trying to pressure the Patriots to give him a two-year contract instead of one. And then Breeze is unsigned, but they've already said he'll sign it. So there's a lot of speculation about where quarterbacks are going to go. So let's just play along with the game a little bit. If Brady, for some reason, and Belichick finally divorce and say, we can't, you know, I'm not going to mortgage my team for you, Brady Moore, Belichick says. If you had to pick one other place for Brady to go uh, for another two years a la Peyton Manning, where would he go, Ernest? 
Well, I know the best, but I know what he'll probably go to. Best place would be the Colts because you got probably the best offensive line. You're talking about a 42-year-old quarterback. So the protection he get there. He's had wide receivers. He's got a decent running back, and he's got a great, you know, a great defense. He would could possibly win a Super Bowl with the Colts, but I think if he plays somewhere other than New England, it's going to be the Chargers, and it's a mutual interest type of thing. Uh, his post football career, his wife's career. And I think the Chargers need something to step out of the shadow of the Rams when they move into the new stadium they share next year. Yeah. Ernest, I'm, <laughs> I, I, he, he's only going to go to a place where he can win. He, it doesn't. His wife is already almost a billionaire. Don't you think he'd they win with the Colts? Don't you think? I don't Colts think they'd win with the Chargers. The Chargers would be like the world. Oh. He's not going to the Chargers. He, Who's got a better offensive line? Colts. Uh, Colts have the best offensive line. Ernest, the Frank answer Nelson. is. Ernest, the answer is neither team, and the real answer is right under his nose and right under your nose. Because there's a team not too far south of him who would easily make him a Super Bowl contender instantly on a different team. And they have the coach of the year, according to you. The Pittsburgh Steelers, with Tom Brady at quarterback, would win a Super Bowl next year. At the very least, they'd make it to the championship game round. They would be instant, instant, instant Vegas favorites. So chance to dump Roethlisberger, who no one on that roster likes. The coach doesn't like Ben Roethlisberger. This is the chance to cut bait. Take Tom Brady on. Tom Brady on the Pittsburgh Steelers would be epic. It would be epic for TV ratings. It would be epic for Tom Brady's career. It would be epic for the story. And they would be instant winners. The other, the, the second best team for Tom Brady, I think is pretty obvious. If he wants to win the Super, if this is just about winning, he goes to the Carolina Panthers next year. And and I don't, I'm not really a Panthers fan. I could care less about the Panthers, but I think you put Tom Brady with Christian McCaffrey, uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, all the offensive weapons there. DJ Hill, DJ Hill. Have you seen um, our offensive line? Tom Brady with those offensive weapons. Give him We're probably the only team that has a worse offensive line than New England. I mean, well, we're, we're a sieve there. I mean, really. Uh, give you know, him Matt, he, Matt he, Rule. He, why, why do you think Cam's been hurt in the last three years? <laughs> because no one blocks. I think, uh, All right. So uh, here's, Cam is his own case. How about another throw out? Wait, wait, wait. But the Steelers, Ernest. Tell me the Steelers. No, no, they would not. I mean, yeah, Big, Big Ben is not the most likable guy in the world. But he's still it. got two Super Bowl rings. I mean, he's going he's gonna to retire Steelers. And the Rooneys don't roll that way. Listen, the Rooneys are loyal. Rooneys are loyal. And let's face it, Brady does not give off that tough, that that tough, <laughs> you know, kind of Pittsburgh is an attitude, hard living, two fists of beer. Uh, a cigar. I mean, that's that's. They don't not want a, a designer coat on their quarterback. No, right. they don't want a guy from GQ as their quarterback. <laughs> a that's the word. I would more. I'd see it with the Jets before the Pittsburgh. How Steelers. about the Broncos? John Elway's uh, done it before. He could do it again. I like that better than the Colts or the Chargers, man. I don't know. I, I'm questioning that Colts. I, I really don't, don't. You know, the Colts are, like, again, that's perfect made. I mean, that, okay. that's the best Wait, offensive could you line. See Tom, could you see Tom Brady spending 12 months in Indianapolis? I couldn't see 
Joe Namath wearing a Rams outfit. I couldn't see. At least she was in Los Angeles, though. I, yeah, I, I couldn't about... see Johnny Unitas wearing a Chargers outfit. I no, couldn't I see don't Frank think O'Hara. I couldn't see Frank O'Hara wearing a uh, or a Brett Favre with the Vikings or the Jets. I mean, you know, you go. I don't know if he's going to have that many choices. I really don't. So he's 42 for... years old. All right, as of today, you guys say, is he staying or going, David? Staying. Oh, I'm 90% sure he's staying, for sure. I, there, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, there's 10% doubt in my mind. He's he's staying. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, Ernest. If, if Belichick's lasting more than a year, he's going to get another quarterback. All right, there you go. I think it's really coming down to it for both sides. And, boy, Brady's been really playing it up like he's probably leaving if it doesn't change. <clears throat> okay, so there's other quarterbacks on the move. And so I have some questions for you just to give a little different twist. Ernest? Cam Newton, who's 30, and Ryan Tannehill is 32. Which one will stay with their team the longest, assuming that Tannehill re-signs with the Titans? Uh, I would assume Tannehill. So Newton still signed, and the new coach for the Panthers says he likes Newton, so it sounds like he's back for at least one year. Well, if you're going to trade somebody, you don't bad bad them the first (laughs) week. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and I'm happy with Matt Rule as coach. Because we were looking at him, McCarthy, and uh, uh, the young man from New England. David, help me out. The offensive coordinator, McDaniel. McDaniel's. Yeah, and and you know I would not trust McDaniel's more than I could throw him. Uh, I think Matt Rule will be an excellent pro coach. I'm very happy. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Again, I didn't want McCarthy. I, okay. I, retreads. Nope. Don't like him. All right, David. Here's your question. Jameson Winston is 26, and also is Marcus Mariota, 26. Who is a better fit for a desperate team out there looking for either a backup or maybe a starting quarterback? Who is the first quarterback? I'm sorry. Jameson Winston. Jameis! Oh, yeah, I got Jameis Winston is the guy because uh, he's got the reputation, right? You you know what you're going to get with Jameis. Whatever, whatever. Reputation, low crazy. Mariota has been nothing but a professional, et cetera, et cetera. But Jameis has the talent. Jameis, you know who Jameis is? He could turn into modern day Jeff George. <laughs> wow. Jameis, that was a compliment. <laughs> that was a compliment. <laughs> well, well, it's a compliment. And I mean, let me let me explain myself a little bit. Modern day Jeff George and the fact that this is a guy who is going to sling it. You know you're gonna get a, a gunslinger. Oh, okay. All right. If if you're if you're a team who who just needs a little boost, needs a starting quarterback, and maybe you're in a transition period, maybe you know you're gonna tank, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're if you're a team looking for maybe a spark, a lot of teams took a gamble on Jeff George a lot of times for a long, long time, right? Because you knew you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna get like the the lowest quality version of Brett Favre. <laughs> That's what Jameis is. You know Jameis is going to throw touchdowns, and you know he's going to throw an interception on his first drive. You know you're going to get a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but you know you're going to get highs. And if you're a team that's that's eight and eight the season before, and your quarterback did not work out, and you're one quarterback short of being a really good team, you take the chance on Jameis Winston because if you're the coach who can turn him into a bit if more disciplined, you're the coach. many have well, tried. Hey, but, David, you, you, okay. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Arians couldn't correct his mistakes. Who can? Okay, I agree with you guys, but if you're deciding between Mariota and Winston, yeah, that's the James, question. James has, James has 
the upside where Mariota has a ceiling, and I think we've seen the ceiling, and Jameis is the guy I'm betting on. Right. Ten times out of ten over Mariota at this point. All right, Dave, Ernest, I have your next question for you. All right. Uh, both these players have been backups and then have chance to start, and if you were out there looking for a quarterback, would you rather go with Brissett or Bridgewater? Bridgewater. Uh, I think Bridgewater has shown, and again, he was filling in for, he had Michael Thomas as a wide receiver, which pretty much helps you out in that respect. But I think after his injury, I mean, before his injury and a couple of years afterwards, the years of the Jets, I still think it took a while to recover because he had a, I mean, you got to remember when he had his knee injury, they were looking at possible amputation. That's how severe Ooh. that was. Ooh. So I, I, he has shown me enough. I actually thought, in many respects, he played as well as Breeze did. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Bridgewater in a heartbeat, I would take him. Uh, you know, it's... it's. But Brissett, we know that his... I think we already know his ceiling, too. Yeah, I, I, I think mean, Bridgewater's got good more life in him. Uh, and the last well, question's for both you guys. And this is... Wait, called, wait, can, can, wait, I'm sorry. Can I, we say Brissett is very much... He has like the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown quality about him where he could be in the NFL for the next 15 years, even beyond what he's been in the league for now, which I think four or five years. He, yeah, he's got he's that a, quality. He, he could be the 25th holder. best, for, right, for the next 15 he, years. 30th best. He's a placeholder. He is a placeholder. Yeah, yeah. He's a he'll make your team eight and eight, seven and nine. And yeah, that's he's going to be a great locker room guy. All right, guys. This is the uh, choice that nobody wants, but you're Brian get... Leftwich. No. He's Brian Leftwich. Ooh. Ooh. Who's coaching? Where's Leftwich coaching these days? He's the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. Okay. Byron right. Leftwich is? Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. I don't know how I didn't know that. <laughs> so All the right, last next, last choice is for the GMs who are really desperate, who at the end of the day are saying, I just need somebody. Do I dare take? And you both can answer. If you had to take one of these two quarterbacks, you just had to, would you take Phil Rivers or Eli Manning? Wow. Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers. Wow. Rivers. Rivers is like old man Rivers. I mean, he can barely throw the ball down the oh, field. Man. And then he has just a bad throwing motion. I mean, his mechanics, I mean, he's gotten by with his mechanics. He's 38. Well, Eli Manning is 39. I think his arms worn out from carrying those 15 kids he has. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, you have, you have to factor in, if you're going to sign Philip Rivers, you got to throw in the paternity leave in there, too. You just got to expect it at some point. Right? So, yeah, free babysitting. Uh, yeah. Does Eli have anything left in him? He said that if he doesn't go to the sign with the Giants, he's going to retire. But I then don't know. Then he's going to retire. Uh, and I think Rivers is going to be replaced. They're, they're both, they're I mean, both as good as you could be. Who's the last one to win a game? And that's Rivers. <laughs> Rivers. Manning, Manning hasn't won in a year and a half. So you got to go with Rivers. Is it? Is it? It's pretty crazy that looking back on was it 2004 draft with those oh, two yeah. guys yeah. that that both of them stayed at their team, played for the same team the entire their entire career, the entirety of their career. That's oh, and we're traded awesome. pretty much. One was traded for the other. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Eli the Manning. So we're not going to <laughs> San Diego. So. And you know none of that has really stuck to him because other guys who have done that. 
who've refused in other sports. Danny Ferry, of course, refused to play for the Clippers. Other guys who refused when they're number one draft picks uh, have this, you know, they, they just retain this stink to them all these years. Well, but the two Super Bowls have kind of wiped that away with Manny. I think who, it's who, more Hall of I, Famer I think, or not. Hall, Manny, yeah, Hall yes, not. yes. Yes, but I think Eli Manning has the the John F. Kennedy thing to him, where JFK had his father. Winds up in Dealey Plaza. Had his father and older brothers do all of his dirty work for him, so his image never got corrupted. That's Ron Kennedy. Kennedy. John also. Okay, both of them had their father do a lot of mobster. This is the only podcast you'll hear that Mannings are like the Kennedys. Yes, well, so so let's say the Mannings had such a great image, and Archie and Peyton were really able to to whitewash Eli's image when Eli or the Manning family decided he wasn't going to play for the Chargers. It's like, oh, Eli's a malcontent, and Archie and Peyton are out there. No, no, no. He's a good kid. He's going to be all right in New York City. We just wanted him to play for organization we liked. And everyone's like, okay, cool. All right, Five Eli's hundred. okay. Is Rivers a Hall of Famer? Yes. No. No. Only if the veterans group votes him in that way down the road. Okay, fair, fair. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, get that consideration. I mean, he has a losing record in the playoffs. Statistically, I mean, he has over 500 record, whereas Manning's overall record is 500 to the dot. And he would be one of only, I think it's three other quarterbacks in the Hall of Famer if he's elected that uh, have a, a losing record. Ernest, one you're the only one, of us, only one of the three of us have actually been to a Hall of Fame. When you went to the Hall of Fame, was there anybody you saw and went, wow, I didn't know he was in? I mean, no, was- pretty much. Yeah, the NFL, I mean, it's so subjective when you get to linemen. I mean, quarterback-wise, when I went to see it, there was one that wasn't there that I thought should have been, and that's been rectified since then, and that was Jim Plunkett, who is one of those four guys with an under 500 record. But Jim but Plunkett two had Super two Bowls. Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah, one, two Super Bowls. So that was one I thought. And also another that time, there were, like I said, there were people I thought should have been there. The other, and that's been rectified since then, has been Kenny Stabler. Mm-hmm. And if you so, don't know, Kenny Stabler played for Oakland Raiders. The snake, through left-handed, was so cool. He never looked like he was too pumped up. He was oh, just That cool. brings up one of the great trivia questions. The last... Left-handed thrown touchdown was by who? Steve Young. Who? Are you saying the Super Bowl? No, no. In the regular season, the last player to throw a touchdown left-handed. Joe Lorenzo. No. Uh, Steve Young. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. Cowboys wide receiver. No. Cowboys wide receiver. Brian? De- Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Des Bryant. And he's out of the league. Yes, that's the last. We used to have Steve Young and Stable. Left-handed quarterbacks were, were fairly common. And that's where we got to the point. There's none backups, starters in the NFL anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Well, one of the things that David and I did uh, yesterday is we were – Wanting to go on a little road trip. Guys, if you're listening to our podcast, you know what we're talking about. Sometimes you just need to get out of town. Not because your wife is kicking you, but you are ready for some space. You know what I'm saying? And we, David and I went down to 
South Bend, Indiana to watch Notre Dame play Louisville. And we've been to enough games over the years that we walked in. It was sort of relaxing not having a dog in the fight. We were just neutral fans. But we were analyzing the stadium. We were analyzing how they set up things, how loud it was. They had one really good section to show their history um, of their athletic program. But, um, Ernest, when you go to a sporting event, what's the most important thing to you when you walk into a new stadium, or what, what do you look for? I generally look to see those little things that make it a little different, or maybe I look at history. I mean, where you went yesterday, of course, uh, the longest winning streak in men's college basketball ended, and that was in 1974 when UCLA was beat by John Shoemate and Notre Dame, and that was a 72-game winning streak by the UCLA basketball team. Nice. And who was the coach for Notre Dame then? Was it Digger uh, Fox? Digger. Digger used to talk about the first time he was introduced, they had this uh, wine and cheese party, and they were, you know, he came from Fordham University. And they were introducing the, the mucky bucks at Notre Dame. This lady goes, oh, you're the, our new coach, Trigger Phelps. <laughs> nice, nice. David, when you went saw Notre Dame yesterday for the first time and we walked around the football stadium, what it struck you about Notre Dame? I, I was jealous of the layout on campus. As a Michigan fan, uh, I, I think the, the most legitimate gripe for me, sports-wise, fan-wise, just from an aesthetic point of view, is that the stadium and campus are are disconnected by about a half a mile. Say, same with the basketball arena, uh, and and a parking is a nightmare. But but b the layout is just not ideal. Michigan Stadium is right next to a bunch of main streets, disconnected from the campus, and the way Notre Dame's basketball and football facilities were located right in campus on campus so you know people could go from their dorms to the stadium and watch the game you know within two or three minute walk was very cool and something i i really thought was awesome and the way they they have renovated the layout is pretty spectacular um the free parking was amazing the easy parking was amazing uh so that layout was pretty awesome however this the basketball arena at notre dame it felt like we're in a a high mid-major like a Dayton arena. Yeah. Like a Dayton. I probably Dayton's even got a nicer facility. Um, but, but just like a high mid major rather than an ACC school and Notre Dame men's basketball has only made the final four once. So I think it's pretty apparent that a basketball is not their main concern and B they haven't done anything to really make themselves stand out as a basketball program. Michigan's game day experience blows Notre Dame's out of the water big time. Uh, Notre Dame definitely felt like a JV version of Michigan. Um, their student section was terrible. I mean, the crowd is just non-existent, uh, home court advantage-wise. So that was something. But, I mean, otherwise, it was a great experience. The experience itself was awesome. The well, atmosphere was awesome. We got great tickets on StubHub right the day before, and you could tell they know they're not having a great season. But it was a great game. came down to the last it couple was. seconds. And, um it was fun just to check it all out. Ernest, when was the last time you went to a really great college basketball game? Was it at NCAA tournament time? Yeah, the tournaments used to have pretty good games. I went to, uh, let me see, two, two years ago, Carolina Wake Forest was a pretty competitive game. I've, I've, I'm not going to as many of late in that respect, I guess getting older in that respect. It's nice to go. I've been to most of the arenas in the ACC 
even the older arenas. The older, more intimate arenas were really nice. NC State's new arena is six miles away from the campus, David. So it's a football field. But the the old campus rentals was, uh, it looked like a dorm building from the outside. The women's team still uses it. But the midcourt hung over the court itself. So you actually were looking down at the court. That's why I like the quirky older arenas. Carolina actually played in Carmichael a game this year, which was their old arena. But everybody's gone to these larger ones. I mean, the money and all that and the revenues. It's, it's the smaller, quirkier courts I like. The, the NCAAs are nice, but you don't get quite the atmosphere if you do on home campus. I mean, if you've got a, a campus on – an arena on the campus where pl- – the students can walk to. It's just a great atmosphere in that respect. So and I will say, yeah, Michigan ahead. students can walk to the basketball arena. I'm sorry, Dad, go ahead. They're just off a little bit. Yeah. Go, sorry, Dad. They have to walk a long way. But my dream, Ernest, and I'm hoping you can make it come true, I want to someday go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. As a Tar Heel fan, can you make that happen for me, Ernest? I have been there. I went for a Duke Carolina game in the 80s. And I remember going with the guy, and, and we were sitting there. We were Carolina fans, and we dressed in neutral colors. Now, we were in the, the – there's bleachers. There's no seats. The entire – and it's a very, very small gym. And I remember turning to my friend, and if, if any of you have ever seen uh, – what's the Indiana Jones, the one with Sean Connery? That's uh, the the, uh, yeah, the the lost uh, – the Holy Grail, Lost Crusade. Holy Grail, Lost Crusade. Whatever. You know yeah. the part where they're in the Zeppelin? No, when they're burning the books and Sean Connery turns over and goes, my son, we're in an unholy place. <laughs> well, that's what I told my friend. That's about the same time that movie came out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been in Cameron. It is, again, one of those buildings that has stained glass that from the outside you would never think it's a basketball arena. Oh, and it's the old – I've been in the Palestra which used to have the big five in, in Philly, in Philly yeah. St. John's and Penn and all those. It's the older arenas. I like the newer ones are okay, but they just seem nice places with the benches and uh, you know, Cameron has you. no air conditioning, has no air conditioning. It's all benches. So, so Bowling Green, when I was there, they transitioned to a new arena from their old arena, my junior year of college. So the first two years was in this older place called Anderson, and it was it was a box with no air conditioning, like you said, probably sat about five thousand people, and all wooden. It was all wood, all wooden um, seats, Hoosier, benches, man. all benches, and it it was straight out of Hoosiers. You know, we're only forty five minutes east of Indiana, um, in Bowling Green, and when that place got loud, it just everything reverberated, and and the wooden benches would just shake, and rah, it was awesome. I mean, it was just perfect. It got so hot in there. I mean, it was so hot. Dan Dockage could attest to it. Um, of course, you know, we where, made you it. know where Hoosiers was shot? The championship when they played the Indian Championship. You know that's Butler's Field House. I'm not shocked. To this I'm day, that's, that, that's, that's, that's where place. Butler plays. Yeah. So I was gonna say the the new arena they built is very nice. It's beautiful, but it does not have that same feel. Mid major college basketball is such a unique thing. It's probably I think the coolest sports culture we have in America is college basketball. Because because the arenas are also unique and different. The fan cultures, every single mid-major to power mm-hmm. conferences are just so unique and different. It, it's just one of those things that is very cool. All right. Look uh, at that time, guys. Speaking, I got one speaking more... of mid-majors, look out for Dayton this year. Yeah. That's the team that can make the Final Four. Okay. 
date and watch out for them. All right, one last topic we're going to talk real quick in about two, three minutes. If we had a road trip where all the co-hosts of Pardon the Confusion could arrive at the same location at the same time to go to a sporting vote, a sporting event, excuse me, Ernest, what would you vote for? Spring training. Spring training in what location? Uh, you got to go uh, Florida. Florida we, we spring training. Yeah, we can slip over to Disney one day. I mean, I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, it's more concentrated in Arizona, but I just the old a lot of old stadiums like the Pirates play in the uh, same field they've always played. Yeah, uh, right. Florida spring right. training in Florida. David, I think I think it'd be cool to. I, Florida does sound pretty awesome, but like a singular thing, I think it'd be pretty cool to go to Boston and go to Fenway Park. Go to Game of Fenway Park. We, we've been before, but I think for like a singular event that we're all road tripping to meet at the same place, I think maybe Boston and Fenway Park would be pretty yeah. awesome. And Ernest hasn't been there before, and we already have two co-hosts that live near there. Well, I think what about you, Dad? Where, where, where's your yeah. road trip destination? Yeah, i tell you right now, Florida sounds great just for relaxation and entertainment. If you had a whole yeah. week, Ernest, or at least four days, I agree with you, Florida. But if I had one day... I think um, back to Red Sox sounds awfully great, or the national championship game for March Madness sounds great. Too. I just say how the about, final, how about, the how about final Wimbledon and Premier League, Wimbledon and Premier League. Uh, oh yeah, okay. That's how it's going to go. Yeah, I'd have, have to, to win a, the Super the Scratch Off lottery to make that happen. So, you know, you could probably work out where you could go to NCAA tournaments where you could go on a Thursday. And there'd be one fairly close enough to go to the four games on Thursday, the four games on Friday, the two games on Saturday, and the two. I did this one year. I actually pulled this off. Tournaments were playing in Greensboro and Charlotte, <laughs> and I went to a total of 12 games in four days. That doesn't surprise me for some reason. And awesome. our time is wrapping up. Any final 30-second words there, David? Shout out to Liverpool. Uh, they're 21 games into their 38-game season, and they set the record for best start to a season out of any of the top divisions in European soccer, England, Spain, France, Italy, um, all of them, the, the best start to a season for any soccer team in Europe ever in history. You know, 150-year history, Liverpool's doing it right now. Uh, they're, they're on a run on like, like any best team in any sport ever that's what they're doing right now so shout out to liverpool the you'll never walk alone liverpool. Ernest. that's right this is two weeks late and i apologize for it but no one has had more impact in sports in my lifetime other than michael jordan than david stern when david stern came in the nba the games the championship games were played on tape delay at 11.30 at night, the championship games. And that was championship games with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson and Dr. J. You can talk about Bird and Magic, how much did the NBA, but David Stern, along with the infusion of the excitement by Michael Jordan, made it right now probably the closest thing to a worldwide sport because it's second to soccer worldwide and it's second to football in America. And his work, again, not the most likable guy in the world, especially if you're from Seattle. <laughs> always considered himself the smartest guy in the room and tolerated very little of ignorance among people. But again, he galvanized the sport and made the NBA what it is today. 
Well said. And that's it for Pardon the Confusion. This is episode number 83. So you can listen to us, obviously, on iTunes or redcircle.com. And thanks for listening. For Ernest Watts and David Arnold, good night. Thank you.